Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burrigan campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to another Summer Sunday. It's wonderful to be here this morning and uh, incredibly blessed by some people who actually learned all of their lines spectacularly and did a wonderful job. So thank you guys. Hope all the kids enjoyed that. And you can come back tonight to see the rest of that movie. We're into week three of The Big Q. And our focus this morning is on morality, which is a bit of a big word that a whole bunch of you might be like, what is that? But really, in other words, the big question for us this morning is how are we supposed to live? I mean, we look at someone like Edmund, we just saw there. And we kind of instinctively know that he's making the wrong choice, that maybe this lady isn't as trustworthy as she seems, that maybe he shouldn't be leading his siblings to her, and maybe he's being just slightly selfish as he just goes after more and more Turkish delight. We kind of know that instinctively, but it isn't always that easy. It's not always so obvious. So how do we know what's right And what's wrong? What does it mean to walk in obedience to Jesus? That's what we're looking at this morning. You know, when Nick spoke at our Christmas services, he shared this story about a father and his kids. And the dad really wanted to know, he wanted his kids to know that he loved them no matter what. And so he asked them, he said, you know, do you think that your dad loves you when you are good, when you do the right thing? And they said, yeah. And he said, okay, well, We do think that. We really do think that you love us when we do the right thing. He said, okay, well, that's a good start. But what about when you do the wrong thing? Do you think that me, your dad, do you think that I still love you then? And the kids kind of sat there for a little while. And then eventually they said, actually, no. No, we don't think that you love us when we do the wrong thing. And as you can imagine, that wasn't exactly the answer this dad was hoping for. And so he grabs hold of his kids and he says to them, I just want you to know that I love you no matter what you do. I just love you. That's a beautiful story. Probably brought a tear to Nick's eyes. He spoke about it. No doubt. Let's be honest. I don't know if it's true. Could be completely made up. Let's be honest. But it doesn't really matter. It's just a beautiful story anyway. In fact, I'm on the way home. I said to Anna, you know what? I think we've got to do that with Seb because I would just hate to think that that was him, that he would think that our love is somehow conditional. And so we sat Seb down and we asked him, we went through the whole thing, you know, do you, do you think that we love you when you're good? And he said, yeah. And I said, okay, well, what about the other side of the scale? Do you think that we love you when you're not good, when you don't make good choices? And without any hesitation, he said, of course you do. Like, what a dumb question is that? And we sat there and thought, oh, fantastic. We're incredible parents. We've just, oh, tick that box. He's got this sense of security and love. How incredible are we? And then kind of really just out of curiosity, I asked him, I said, well, Sebi, what about me? I said, do you love me when I do the right thing? And he said, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, what about when daddy messes up? And what about when I do the wrong thing? Do you still love me then? And he sat there for a little while. I could see his little brain ticking away. And then in a very honest 
and candid manner. Anybody who's a parent will know how honest kids can be sometimes. He said, not so much. <laughs> now, you love the honesty. You really do. It's not the answer that I was hoping for. I thought we lived in a family with unconditional love, and we just loved each No, that's fine. That's not the answer. No, I'm only joking. But you love his honesty. Because I think if we were honest, all of us sitting here today, if we were as honest as kids can be and often are, we'd say that actually there's an element of truth in that for all of us. Now, I know that Jesus calls me to love my wife like he loves the church, but man, when she eats chips in bed and leaves crumbs on my side, I just really struggle. Like I really, I really struggle. I, I struggle with gratitude, with thank, I struggle with a lot of things. When I hop into bed and it crunches, I really do. We all struggle, right? We all struggle with selfishness. We all grapple to love unconditionally. And that's not to say that we shouldn't try, of course we should, but there's just something different, something unique and other about the love of God. See, unlike us, God's love is absolutely independent of the recipient. In other words, God doesn't love us because of anything that we do. He just loves us because it's who he is. It's his character and it's his nature. He loves us. And that is such good news for you and me. Now, there's nothing that you can do to make God love you any more, and there's nothing you can do to, God make, to make God love you any less. It's an incredible truth that each and every one of us needs to hold on to. Nothing that you can do to change the love that God has for you. He just loves us. He always has, and he always will. It is such good news for you and me. Question is, if the way that I live has zero effect on the love that God has for me, then why does it even matter? Are you tracking with me? If God loves me no matter what, then why is obedience such a big deal? Why does it even matter how I live my life? That's a great question. It's something that each and every one of us should ask ourselves because the answer that you have to that question radically changes the way that you approach obedience. So you can do the right thing for all the wrong reasons and completely miss the point. And I'll give you an example. Now, I walked away from the Lord in high school. Many of you know that. Uh, and so it's not really that I stopped believing. That's not what I would say. It's more that I just really, really wanted to do my own thing. My dad is a pastor and my mom is a scary lady when she's angry. So you better believe that I was still going to church. I'd be out on a Saturday night at some unconscionable hour, something that would kill me now. And then Sunday morning, I'd be up and I'd be out the door and I'd be going to church because that's just what you did in my family. And I look back now and strangely enough, I'm actually really grateful that I stayed connected to the church because I think it served as this constant reminder of what I was missing out on the goodness of God. But the truth is, my obedience, if you could call it that, my obedience was completely hollow. 
That's the right thing to do, isn't it? To go to church. It's a good thing. Nobody's going to say that's a bad thing. It's a good thing to do. It's the right thing to do. But it was completely hollow. I don't think that it brought any joy to the Lord at all. And it certainly didn't bring him any glory. It was begrudging submission. In other words, I did the thing, but I didn't want to do the thing. My heart wasn't in it. In fact, I was kind of almost grumpy about the fact that I had to do the thing. That's what begrudging submission is. It's just, it's empty. But Jesus said this, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, there's nothing about begrudging submission that's easy or light. And that should tell you something, that it completely misses the mark. Jesus isn't interested in our begrudging submission. And I don't know if that's news to you, but he's just not interested in our begrudging submission. What he wants is joyful obedience. It's a radically different thing, joyful obedience. Which brings us to the little passage that I chose for us today, Titus chapter two, verse 11 to 14. Be up on the screen for you guys. Read along with me. Because this is what Paul says about obedience. And I want you to notice the language that he uses. He says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. And it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and, notice this, to purify for himself a people that are his very own who are eager to do what is good. Amen. Eager to do what is good. Paul says it's the grace of God that teaches us. And I think that's incredibly significant. It's not a fear of getting caught that teaches us to walk in obedience. It's not the wrath or, or judgment of God. It's not even the law. I mean, we would read that and expect that to say it's the commands of Jesus. It's the law that teaches us to walk. It doesn't say that. As important as the law is, Paul isn't downplaying the significance of God's law. He loves the commands of Jesus, meditates on it, and yet he understands that the law is powerless to change the human heart. And that's what Jesus wants to do. That he wants to change our heart. And God is in the business of transforming us from the inside out. And there's only one thing that can do that. It's grace. Grace. See, when it's the grace of God that's teaching you and instructing you and molding you, that's what that word means. When it's the grace of God doing that, it is easy. And it is light. And it results in a people who are eager to do what is good. Because that's what Paul says he redeems us from all wickedness and purifies for himself a people that are his very own who are eager to do what is good. And that eagerness, that joy is the marker of someone who's been transformed from the inside out. They're not doing the right thing because they have to. They're doing the right thing because they want to. It's a radically different place to be. So somebody who's encountered the grace of God, experienced it for themselves and being changed 
forever. Now, a number of years ago, I listened to a sermon by Matt Chandler that really kind of formed all of this in me. He was speaking to his people about obedience, and he said something like this. I'm kind of just paraphrasing. He said, the more that you know God, the more that you love him, because everything that you discover is good. You dig in, and you discover more and more of his character and nature, and you just fall more and more in love with Jesus because you discover he's good. He's better than I thought. He's amazing. The more that you love God, the more you know God, sorry, the more that you love him. The more that you know and love God, the more that trust begins to build. And in that place of knowing, loving, and trusting Jesus, obedience just flows. It flows, it's easy. Which means our job is to know and love Jesus. It's our job. It's not to try really hard to do the right thing. And our job is to know and love Jesus. I believe that, I really do. And I believe that because Paul says it's the grace of God. That word grace, we say it all the time. It means unmerited favor, undeserved favor. It is the undeserved favor of God that teaches us to walk in obedience. That's a beautiful thing. You can't change your heart. You try and you'll just end up frustrated and disappointed. Truth is, it's not your job. Your job is to know and love Jesus. Your job is to pursue him and his grace each and every day. And when you do that, when you step more and more into the grace of God, you find that actually you change from the inside out and obedience no longer becomes this thing that you think you should do. It becomes something you want to do because you trust Jesus and you believe that he's for you. And so you say, I wanna walk with that God because I know that he loves me. There's something about that that's incredibly life-giving for us, fills you with joy, but also becomes this incredible witness. A powerful, powerful witness of a life that's truly transformed. So how should we live? The simple answer is trusting Jesus. Now, he'll show you the way. Now, he'll correct you and gently lead you. And any believer in the room would tell you that the Holy Spirit is relentless. He's very gentle, but he's relentless. Now, he'll gently lead you and, and bring you out of things and bring you into new things. But if you don't have the relationship, if you haven't experienced the grace of God, the mercy of God for yourself, and you won't have that foundation of trust that allows you to take a step of faith and say yes to Jesus. You just won't be there. Now, I don't understand everything in Scripture. None of us do. I certainly don't understand the fullness of who God is, but I know that He's for me. And I know that He loves me with an unfailing love. I've experienced that experience the love of God. I'm reminded of it every time I look at the cross because that is the heart of God. Right there, that's the heart of God. That tells me everything that I need to know about his character and his nature. I know that God loved me. It's not even there, no. <laughs> Forget that. Pretend there's a cross somewhere. We'll point it over there. I know what that says to me. That God is for me. I know that. So it's fitting, it really is, for us to finish with communion this morning. 
I can't think of a better way to finish this and to ponder the goodness of God and the love that he has for us than to spend some time reflecting on the cross. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.